Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Reading from Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you were walking along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if, as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So my favorite part of this story is the part where Christ is made known in the breaking of the bread. That it's while sharing table that this scattered community, scattered in fear, this scattered community in Christ is brought back together. Um, this nod to the sacrament of Holy Communion and the promise of Christ's presence. But reading it this past week, it was the beginning and the end that jumped out to me. The beginning words. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. 
Jesus himself came near, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. I'd really just kind of love to stop and sit down and be in conversation about this, this piece of the story. Jesus comes near, and they were kept from recognizing. Now, of course, we could stop and make the argument that the kept kind of sounds like something intentional, something done to them, something against their will. But holding it this week, I started to think about all the things in our lives that keep us from seeing. What it is we don't see. Are we even aware of what we don't recognize? What we don't see? Or, or are we like the disciples that because of circumstances, our own life experiences, our own cultural context, our socioeconomic status, where we live, the family we grew up in, are there things that keep us from seeing? Now, this is on a much lighter note, um, but my husband often jokes that I am the most unobservant person around. I, I just get tunnel vision. Um, I get started about my tasks, and I can completely kind of tune out everything around me, and I often miss things. At one of my previous churches, there was one of my members that completely changed her hair color. She was in my Sunday school class. I saw her all morning, and then I noticed people kept saying something to her. It was pretty dramatic. She went from blonde to brunette, and I just didn't even, didn't even notice. Couldn't even remember what color her hair was before. I can get out of a car and have no idea what car I got out of. Um, my husband and I were visiting some friends one time and they dropped us off on the sidewalk to run an errand and they kind of drove around and they were coming back to pick us up and Sean and I were standing there waiting for the car to come back around and I was just kind of staring off into the distance and Sean finally looked at me and said, you have no idea what kind of car to look for, do you? <laughs> I was like, nope, I don't have a clue. I don't know what color it is. I don't know what make it is. Um, I didn't know what I was looking for, except that I was hoping I would see my friends in the windshield or that Sean was paying attention. Um, I'm also not a fan of those people who try to give you directions like, you know where that gas station is or you turn at this tree or look for that blue house. <laughs> Means nothing to me. I'm like, what road? Give me the road name. So those are very incidental things and part of personality. But I have another story in my life that I'm sure I have shared before that sticks with me. I was in college. I was at a lunch hosted by the Methodist Campus Ministry at Southern. And I was in line to get food. And I kind of stepped back and I ran into someone. And I just turned around and said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see you there. To which they replied, you never do. And then they walked away. Now, I just stood there a little shocked. Um, I didn't know what to say or do. I don't remember intentionally ignoring someone or not seeing someone, but it is kind of this question the gospel gets to. Had my eyes been kept from seeing? I mean, the truth is there are individuals and entire groups of people that we are kept from seeing for a variety of reasons. 
I mean, marginalized people get their name for this very reason. They are those we have pushed to the margins, pushed to the sides, pushed outside of where we live because it's harder for them to be seen. There are things, beautiful things in this world that we are kept from seeing for a variety of reasons. Gifts of beauty and color and miraculous signs of life all around us that we miss. And there are signs all around us of the ways that we are doing harm to this beautiful gift and created order that we would rather not see. So I don't know why. I don't know that we can ever come to consensus in this story of why these two followers of Jesus were kept from seeing. Maybe it was simply their own trauma, their own grief, their own inability to believe the Easter miracle, that life can be found at the very place of death. For whatever reason, they missed Jesus the Christ standing among them. They missed the miracle, walking right by their side. But the story doesn't end there. I told you it was the opening and closing verses that kind of jumped out to me this week. So jumping to the end, they are at table with Jesus. He breaks bread, blesses it, breaks it, gives it to them, and it says their eyes were opened and they say, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? Because, you know, along that road to Emmaus, Along that seven-mile journey, they engage with Jesus. They talk. They listen. They retell the story. Jesus chimes in, and it is in Jesus that they hear the story anew, and they see What I take from this story is that part of the miracle of resurrection, part of the redemption that is offered to us, part of what we receive in Jesus the Christ is that our eyes can be opened to see anew our story. In Jesus, we hear our story anew. We read our story of faith through the lens of Jesus. And in Jesus, we see things that maybe we have been kept from seeing. We walk with Jesus. We journey with Jesus so that we become more like Jesus. So that we see. And the beauty of all of this The grace of all of this is that we don't really have to search for Jesus. Jesus seeks us out. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. Jesus finds them. 
Jesus joins them, and Jesus pretty much inserts himself into the conversation. This is the gift of grace. Christ present to us and for us. Christ aiding us in seeking and finding truth. Christ opening our eyes to see what it is we have been kept from seeing. We need this gift of grace. As our call to worship reminded us, we are in need of your company, Jesus. We need help to open our eyes to see what is easily missed, to sometimes recognize truth that may be standing right in front of us. We've always needed this gift of grace. We will continue to need this gift of grace. But I'll be honest, I feel like right now we are in a time where we need it more. We're living in a time where truth is hard to define. When it's easy to only see what you want to see, to only believe what you want to believe, to surround yourself with an echo chamber of things that only look and speak and sound like you. It's easy for our eyes to be kept from seeing. But as church, as people called out and defined by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are called to a better way. To open our eyes to see the gift of Easter, Resurrection Day, the gift of Christ walking among us, the gift of Christ challenging us, opening our eyes, so that we may see. Earlier in the service, one of our youth, Amber, read Psalm 116, and it is this prayer of thanksgiving of one who felt God's presence in a time of distress. It begins, I love the Lord because. I love the Lord because in this psalm is one lifting words of praise because they were seen by the Lord. They were heard. And then they ask, what shall I return to the Lord for all of his bounty to me? What can this psalmist offer? They can live the story. They can go forth as one who has been seen and heard, and so they will be one who sees and hears the cries of those whom the Lord loves. In Psalm 116, and in this story of the walk to Emmaus, we are told to live what we have witnessed. Live what we have heard. Live what we know to be true about God. Live and love a different way because of all that the Lord has done for us and will continue to do for us, to allow this grace offered to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus to accompany us along life's journey so that we are not kept from seeing. May it be so. May it be so for me and for you. Amen.